You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Welcome back. Finally, episode 18 of the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and the Elite Sports Radio Network. We're finally back after about a month hiatus almost. Remember, we did an episode right after the hire of Joe Judge. Uh, I wanted to wait for the coordinator hires to go through um, to make another episode and then the, to record another episode, excuse me, and then the Eli Manning retirement happened. So, that's what this episode's going to be about, uh, the two coordinator hires. Talk about also Freddie Kitchen's hire because that's a big name. Mark Colombo's hire to be the offensive line coach and then discuss uh, the sad um, but expected uh, end of the Eli era in New York. Um, everyone, a lot of people expected him maybe to play, play in the league again next year but for another team. Um, I don't think a lot of people really expected him to come back and be a backup for Daniel Jones again. Um, so, but it's very sad. It's, you know, it's the end of an era. It's 16 years as a Giants quarterback. Um, and now what's being reintroduced is this Hall of Fame debate, which I believe is one of the most even-sided debates of all time. And, you know, in, in when you're talking about who should be in the Hall of Fame and who, sh- who shouldn't be. Um, I think there are a ton of reasons why he should be in, but there are some reasons why the committee, um, you know, might say no. So, but we'll get into that soon. I wanted to start off with the defensive coordinator hire of Patrick Graham. Excuse me. Uh, So obviously this was arguably one of the most, not arguably, this is one of the most important hires. The Giants defense has been, you know, nothing has performed poorly for much of the past couple of years. Um, I mean, this past year continued 25th in total defense, 30th in scoring, 28th in passing defense. Um, So this hire was extremely important. The Giants needed a guy that was going to be able to connect with this defense and this young defense particularly better than James Betcher ever could in the two years he was in New York. What people may be disappointed about is the fact that Patrick Graham is coming over from a defense. So Patrick Graham was the coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins somehow had a worse defense than the Giants. Pretty sure in every category. I mean, Miami was 30th in total defense, 32nd in scoring, 32nd in sacks. So, yeah, I understand why some fans are disappointed by... You know the move, the hire. Why are we getting? A, why are the Giants getting a coordinator that's from a defense that was somehow worse than the Giants last year? But you need to understand this: Patrick Graham was working with nobody last year, no one. 
You know, they made all those trades. The Dolphins, they traded Minka Fitzpatrick to Pittsburgh. Um, it was clear they were re- they were rebuilding. I mean, they won five games um, somehow, but they they were rebuilding. The Dolphins were a rebuilding franchise. Patrick Graham was essentially working with nobody, with no talent, with you know no experience really on that side of the ball, and that's a huge reason for if you don't have any talent or any experience on that side of the ball, that's going to lead you to becoming the worst defense in the league. It's that simple. It wasn't all Patrick Graham's doing in Miami. It wasn't all of Patrick Graham's fault in Miami that they weren't a good defense. He was working with nobody. And uh, now the Giants, now he comes over and obviously it's not that much better of a defense in New York. But he, Patrick Graham now has an opportunity to really not revamp this defense. I don't think they're going to revamp the defense um, and get rid of a lot of players, but he's sort of, he has the opportunity to take control of a young group that has fresh legs and, uh, you know, rise to the top. That's what the goal is. He's going to take, this arguably has, this has the potential to be arguably, especially the secondary, this has the potential to be arguably one of the youngest, not arguably, it's going to be one of the youngest period secondaries in the league. I mean, especially if they, if the Giants take Jeffrey Okuda, number four, you're going to have, and they decide to get rid of, they decide to part ways with Antoine Bethea and start the Julian Love era in the defensive backfield. You're going to have a secondary that's Okuda, DeAndre Baker, Julian Love, Jabril Peppers, Grant Haley, who's going into his third year, Corey Ballantine is going into his second. I mean, that's an extremely, extremely young defensive back group. Extremely young. The oldest one is would be Jabril Peppers. He'd be going into his fourth year this year, I believe. So, Graham has an opportunity to really build something with this defense, especially the secondary. And I wrote this week, you know, the Legion of Boom, that defensive backfield in Seattle was as young as this defensive backfield could be. At one point. And look how they turned out to be. I'm not saying the Giants secondary is going to turn out to be Legion of Boom Part 2. But you never know. Graham has an opportunity to take this very young defense and make it something special for years to come. But as with anything in this league, and as with anything in life really, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some patience. This isn't going to happen overnight. I don't think it's a bad move. I think, you know, it's not, you can't just look really at the numbers from Miami last year and say, oh, we got to coordinate. That's, he was working with no one. The Giants at least can have some potential talent on this defense. You know, especially if Ryan Connolly comes back healthy. You know, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson really click on the line. B.J. Hill gets over the sophomore slump that he had this past year. You know, secondary comes together, comes together and meshes together a lot better than they've had in the past couple of years. It could be a good move, but with any move like this, it's a wait-and-see type of move. I said Joe Judge was a wait-and-see type of move. We don't know what we're going to get out of Joe Judge. Joe Judge has never head coached at any level. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. 
It's a wait-and-see type of situation with Joe Judge. It's a wait-and-see type of situation with Patrick Graham. All right, so moving on. This move, I know for a fact, pissed Giants fans off. Fans were disappointed. Oh, the outrage. Why are we... Jason Garrett is not a bad hire. I, that's what I th- I don't think he's... A- Jason Garrett is not a bad hire. People are freaking out because he's a failed... He, he failed as a head coach in his, you know, later years in, in Dallas. That's why he was... You know, they parted ways with him this past year. I get that. Jason Garrett failed as a head coach. You know, they... They couldn't make it. They couldn't get out of the divisional round of the playoffs. They, he went to the playoffs three times in in what his nine years of coaching, nine years of head coaching, nine full seasons of head coaching. He, they went to the playoffs three times and they couldn't get past the divisional round. So you you could say he failed as a head coach. Essentially, he didn't achieve that ultimate goal of the Super Bowl. But. He's not going to be a head coach for the Giants. He's not going to have the responsibility he had for a decade in Dallas with the Giants. He is going to be the offensive play caller. He is going to lead this offense from the sidelines. He's not overseeing the team. He's not making you know, all these choices and all these coaching decisions. And He's the offensive coordinator. It's not like we're. It's not like the Giants are hiring to be a head coach. Everyone needs to stop freaking out. Oh, we failed as a head. That doesn't matter. And I said I don't hate this move at all. I actually like it. He's going to be helping in the development of Daniel Jones, which he did, you know, thirteen years ago with Tony Romo in Dallas, which he did a couple years ago also in Dallas with Dak Prescott. Last year, Garrett's offense in Dallas was first in total in total yards per game, sixth in scoring, second in passing, and fifth in rushing. I mean, it can't really get much better than that when you talk about all, all those numbers I just gave you. First in total yards, sixth in scoring, second in passing, fifth in rushing. It can't really get much better than that. There are numerous aspects to, to the offensive side of the football, especially in today's NFL with all these creative offenses that people are putting together. Garrett was able to somehow bring them all together and make them work in Dallas last year, despite the fact that they didn't make the playoffs. So as far as numbers are concerned and stats are concerned, his offensive game plan works. He's just going to need to translate it into a... He's going to need to translate what he was able to do in da- on the offensive side of the ball in Dallas to New York. And what's you know, different about New York is that it's a younger group. You know, Jones and Darius Slayton will be going into year two. Barkley, year number three. Shepard, year number five. Engram, year number four. He's just going to need to... All these guys are younger than, you know, Prescott and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. This is a younger group. He's going to need to ease his way into this opportunity. But I believe that it's going to work out. I think this is a great move. I'm not kidding. So I, I'm not. I'm not like any of these other fans that are freaking out about the Jason Garrett hire. I actually am a big fan of the hire. 
So call me crazy. I mean, if they, and if, they, if it doesn't work out, then yeah, I am crazy. But you know, just gotta wait and see. Another way. These are all wait and see moves. You can't really like say. That's why I say I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to work out. I just think it's going to work out. There's a difference. But I, nonetheless, my concluding point is that I like this hire of Jason Garrett. Um, all right, definitely a little bit. I just want to talk a little bit about Freddie Kitchens because it's a big name, um, probably one of the bigger names on this coaching staff. Out of all the hires on this coaching staff, it's probably one of the bigger names. Um, everyone, it's another one. Everyone's freaking out. Oh, he failed in Cleveland. He was one and done. Uh, he was so bad in Cleveland, they couldn't even wait until the fi- the Black Monday to fire him. They fired him the night of their last game. But again, Kitchen- Freddie Kitchens isn't going to be calling the plays. He's not going to be a head coach. He's not going to have all this overwhelming responsibility and decisions to make. He's a tight ends coach, which he's done before, which he's worked out. Be- he's worked in that position for numerous teams in the NFL. So I, it's not a bit, I don't think it's, he has a connection to Joe Judge. He has a lot of experience coaching different offensive positions in this, in this league and in the college game. And, you know, he brings that experience. He brings that talent to the organization, to the coaching staff and won't have these overwhelming decisions to make, won't be. You know, he's not going to really have to answer many questions to the media every single week like he did, obviously, in Cleveland when he was a head coach. And uh, to be honest, he's he's going to be working with a talented group. I mean, Evan Engram is one of the more versatile athletic tight ends in this league when he's healthy. And that's a big, you know, if he's healthy. And that's a big if because he's missed nearly a full season's worth of games in his three years he's been in the league. And he missed one game his rookie year, missed five his second year, so that's six, and then he missed eight his past year. So he's missed 14 games in three years. So that's a big if. But if Evan Engram stays healthy, he's still one of the more versatile and athletic tight ends this league has to offer. Red Ellison is reliable. Caden Smith could be an up-and-coming tight end. A lot of people have said, why don't the Giants just... Go with Caden Smith again over Evan Engram. Why re-sign Evan Engram, you know, after or sign him to a contract extension when his rookie deal is expiring? Why not just go with Caden Smith? I get that. Caden Smith is a legitimate option. I mean, if he's but he's going to need to stay healthy. You know, Giants don't want another Evan Engram type situation where it's there's talent but there's not health. The, nonetheless, basically what I'm saying is that the Giants have options at tight end. Engram, Ellison, Caden Smith, these are options. So, at least Engram and Caden Smith. Actually, I don't believe his, anyone's contract is close to, I mean, I know Engram probably signed, I think Engram signed a four-year deal, rookie deal, you know, back when he was drafted. Um, Yeah, so Ellison has one year left on his deal. I would assume Engram has one year left on his deal, but I can double check. Um, yeah, four-year deal. I believe, I'm not sure if there is a fifth-year option. There might be. Yeah, there's. A, I believe there's a fifth-year option. Yeah, so 
and no one's contract is running out. I mean, these three guys, these, these are all legitimate options at tight end, and that's who Freddie Kitchens is going to be working with. But as I said, this group just needs to stay healthy. That's the big issue. This group needs to stay healthy. And uh, the last coach I want to talk about, Mark Colombo, hired to be the offensive line coach. He was the um, he was the offensive line coach in Dallas in 2018 and 2019. Uh, 2019 was the only season he was the full time offensive line coach. He worked as an he initially worked as the assistant offensive line coach in 2018 before transitioning to be the head offensive line coach. Um, in that 2018 season, the Cowboys were one of the were the second worst in the league with 56 allowed sacks, which is abysmal. Um, but then this past year, second in the league with just 23 allowed sacks. I mean, that's a big jump to go from second worst to second best in your first full year as a head offensive line coach for an NFL team. I mean, that, that gets me excited for what Mark Colombo could bring to this group. This shows he can develop an offensive line and quickly. You know what offensive line needs to develop and quickly? The New York Giants offensive line. Because it's been nothing short of awful the last couple of years. It's been arguably the lowest point of this entire team. Um, Another thing that excites me about Colombo going away from numbers a bit, he was in Dallas, so he's coming over with Garrett. So there's already he already has familiarity with this offensive system. Garrett has familiarity with you know what Colombo does with the offensive line. Colombo has familiarity with what Garrett does with the offense as a whole. That's that's going to make the process easier. That's what's going to make developing this team, this offense, this system easier. They're already they've already been on the same page before. They're on the same page in Dallas. So Colombo and Garrett just have to continue that coming over to East Rutherford. It's that simple. I believe I believe this is a move that'll also work out. I'm not going to I'm not going to guarantee it's gonna work out again, just like I'm not doing with Garrett. But I believe it'll work out. Um, I'm excited to see what the future holds with Colombo and Garrett uh, on the offensive coaching staff. Uh, but worked with Dallas last year, as I gave you the I gave you the ranks for the Dallas offense, and I just gave you the rank for the Dallas offensive line last year. Um so I'm hoping that translates over to New York. But nonetheless, decisions have to be made with the offensive line. Just like they, they obviously, decisions have to be made throughout this entire team next year, going into next year, because, you know, these fans are impatient. These season ticket holders are impatient. They've won, what, 12 games in the last three years combined. So decisions will need to be made. And that, that, that doesn't change with the offensive line. We, they still got to figure out what to do with Nate Solder. I don't know if Mike Remmers is coming back. You know, Mike Remmers struggled mightily in his first year as a Giant last year. You know, John Halapio is was also struggled. You don't know. I guess the only guys that are guaranteed spots are you know, Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler, the two guards. Maybe Nate Solder has a guaranteed spot, but you know that there's gonna be there's gonna need to be some improvement from him. You know, there's going to be a lot of work on the players' part, but ultimately, I think getting Colombo on the coaching staff, um, especially one that already includes Jason Garrett on it, um, is a good move. All right, 
transitioning to the final segment of this podcast before I stop recording and I go watch the Super Bowl because that's in an hour, if people didn't know that. But I don't know why you wouldn't know that. Um, So Eli retired last week, held his official retirement press conference at the Giants Fieldhouse uh, on Friday of last week, which I, I don't think is really done but I think they want. I didn't think. I don't think stuff is really held there, like events like that. But the Giants needed to accommodate the amount of people that showed up. Um, obviously, Eli uttered the line, "Once a giant, always a giant." For me, it's only a giant, which I thought was fantastic. Um, now, yes, it's a sad move. Uh, everyone expected at some point this would this to happen. Uh, the Giants are focusing their attention and their focus. They're honing in their focus and attention now on Daniel Jones and developing him for the future. Uh, while the fans and the media, such as myself, focuses our attention on the big debate: Will Eli Manning be a Hall of Famer? It's a debate. It's I've never seen someone possess such an even-sided argument. For something like this. Meaning that there are so many reasons for why Eli should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But there are numerous reasons for why the committee may say no. I mean, think about it. He's he's 7th all-time in both both passing yards and passing touchdowns. 7th all-time. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. With both wins coming against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots. But there are numerous things that are going to hurt him and hurt his chances. 117 and 117 record as a starter is going to hurt him. Only four Pro Bowls is going to hurt him. Seven winning seasons out of the 14 years as a full-time starter. That'll hurt him as well. The later years will hurt him. You know, the 3-13 and season in 2017. Or the 5-11 and campaign in 2018. You know, there were some there were some six and ten seasons there, and there was a seven and nine season. And so that being said, I don't believe he'll be a first ballot. I want him to be. I think he deserves to be a first ballot, but ultimately I don't think the committee will go through with it. And someone brought this up earlier this week. I forget who it was, I apologize. But say Tom Brady and Drew Brees both retire this year, which isn't impossible. You know, Brees apparently is mulling retirement. You know, who knows what Brady's future holds. Um, If they both retire this year, if they both retire before the 2020 season, and thus their first year of eligibility would be 2025, the same as Eli, then then Eli probably won't be selected, definitely won't be selected first ballot. Five years from now, the, the committee isn't going to say the, the committee is going to be reluctant to put in three quarterbacks into the class. Like say five years from now, they have Brady, Breeze, and Eli as on the ballot, or not on the ballot, potential to be have the uh, potential to be inducted. They're not going to induct all three. The committee is not going to do that. And if they're going to take any, it's going to be Breeze and Brady. They're not taking Eli over Breeze, and they're certainly not taking Eli over Brady, despite the fact that he beat him twice. So if Brady and Breeze, or maybe even one of them, retires this year, that'll hurt Eli's chances of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
So I don't think he'll be a first. I want him to be a first out ballot Hall of Famer. I'd vote him as a first ballot Hall of Famer, even though my opinion is biased because I've been a Giants fan my entire life. And I went to Eli's first game when I was like seven, his first preseason game at the old Giants stadium when he was seven. Besides Daniel Jones and that one time when Geno Smith started, he's the only Giants quarterback I've ever watched. So my opinion's biased and my you know, decision on that would be biased. But I don't think the committee will go through with it. I don't think it'll end up being a first ballot Hall of Famer, unfortunately. Um, and if, you know, Breeze or Brady or both retire this year, then he, I don't think he definitely won't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The committee's going to take them over Eli. Um, so, and to be honest, I know the later years are going to hurt him, like I said before, but he deserved a better ending. If you're a Giants fan and you've seen, the, if you watched this team the past couple of years, you know Eli deserved a better ending. With the bad offensive lines, with the bad defenses, um, you know, that the, the time Ben McAdoo benched him for Geno Smith. I mean, it's just, he deserved a better ending. And it's tough to see, you know, the last, he won that Super Bowl, the 2011 season in February of 2012, won that Super Bowl. And since then, played in just one playoff game. Uh, you know, it was just with the end. He deserved a better ending. He really did. Um, but now he'll ride off into the sunset. I know. I know he'll be a Hall of Famer. I mean, I. I'm. I think he will be. I, he definitely should be. Um, I'm confident the committee will select him one day. I just don't think it's going to be the first year. So I, I. I. I wouldn't get your hopes up for a 2025 induction for Eli. Um, but. You never know. I mean, that's still half a decade away. Uh, so there's going to be debates about that for at least another five years. So, but anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in um, for, to episode 18 of the Wide Right Podcast. Enjoy the Super Bowl, uh, which is on. So I'm recording this on Sunday evening. Uh, it's on in about 45 minutes. So next episode of Wide Right Podcast, I'll try to, I'm going to put together one very soon uh, discussing the potential draft picks the Giants can make. The, the, the potential, um, you know, candidates for that number four pick the Giants have in the upcoming NFL draft. And also discuss, you know, the potential of the Giants possibly trading back into the first round. You know, the three teams, two, uh, I think the three teams behind them, you know, San Diego, uh Miami, they need quarterbacks. So there's a there's a possibility the Giants could trade back. Um, you know, because the did I say the did I say San Diego, Los Angeles? So I I still to this day have not like gotten used to saying Los Angeles Chargers. I've been I've I've gotten used to saying Los Angeles Rams. Um, I just I always say San Diego for some reason. But yeah, so it's Giants number four. Oh, Miami five, excuse me. Uh, Los Angeles six. Uh, Carolina seven. You know, Carolina may need a quarterback. Maybe they, they maybe they want to part ways with Cam Newton at some points, you know, especially with the injuries. So, and the fact that they haven't been able to really win in a couple of years. So, um, there's a potential the Giants could trade back. But I'll talk all about that in the next episode. Um, so we'll just... We'll talk about the potential candidates for that pick, talk about trading back, and we'll get into it. But for now, signing off, uh, my name is Ryan Honey. As always, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. That's at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. 
always say that slow enough in case you actually do want to follow me. But anyway, thanks for thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the big game, and I'll talk to you guys next time.